We made this. Ladies and gentlemen, it was a cold-blooded, premeditated murder. Welcome back to the Red and Buried podcast. I'm Frankie. I'm Sarah. And it's Christmas, sort of. Yay! <laughs> the most magical time of the year. Yes, it, you know, it was slightly early, but not too early. We realised, basically, just to get straight into it, after we said we were going to do our true crime <laughs> theme that we were going to do the previous month, we then remembered <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> so we've postponed doing that. We will do the true crime one at some point. Maybe in the new yeah. year. New year, new crime. Yes, but you can't miss out Christmas. No, exactly. Especially with Christmas crime. Yes. The greatest of all crimes. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah? Yeah, definitely. Christmas makes everything better. <laughs> well, I mean, look at Home Alone. That is basically a film of Christmas crime, isn't it? Mm, it is. If only there was a book of Home Alone. Could have done it. Oh, maybe there is. Surely there is. Maybe. I don't mm. know. I didn't look into it. No. I say so. It's not that. It's not what you've got. Died it's this it's not. No. And mm. um, I also, despite really wanting to, I did not do Hercule Poirot's Christmas, which was interesting. Okay. Love it, but I've done quite a few Agatha Christie's. So yeah, okay. Not an Agatha Christie podcast for that. You need to check out Frankie's other baby or one of her other babies. <laughs> yeah, the labels of Hercule, which Sarah is an avid listener of and can yeah. recommend firsthand. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> the problem is, you're actually quite good at lying. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. I always chuckle to myself because I remember once, I don't know if you remember saying this to me, but you once said to me, I'm really good at manipulating people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. It does sound like something I might say. <laughs> you definitely did say it. And I remember thinking, she's right. She is. And, <laughs> you know, it works for you. So fair play. <laughs> Thank you. God, I'm really selling myself, aren't I? <laughs> Master manipulator. Look, it's a useful skill to have. I was about to say, I'm a nice person, really. But, she mm, is. Mm. There you are. You're really nice. <laughs> On occasion. Yeah, no, Sarah's a great person, everyone. And she's not, I'm not being manipulated <laughs> into saying that. She genuinely is very good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm really interested to hear what you chose and see if you went down a similar route as I did. So mm. shall I dive in? Please do. And you know what? As I, well, I don't know if it's true, actually. There were some, I added a lot of sound effects to our last normal episode that we did for the Halloween one. Mm -hmm. And I'm probably going to do the same for this Christmas one because yeah. Christmas. So, yeah. so brace yourselves for some jingle bells. I'm excited for that. Thank you. I'm sure you will listen. I, well, I did listen to the Halloween one because I wanted to hear your sound effects. That's how I get you to listen now. Okay. <laughs> That's how the, you lure me in. Yeah. Trick. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Sarah, what book did you pick? I read Murder Ooh. Most Festive by Ada Moncrief. I hope I'm saying that right. I I read this a couple of years ago and couldn't remember anything about it when I came back to it, um, except that I really liked it. Mm. That's great. Christmas to me is always like cosy crime. Yes. 
like you know Agatha Christie that kind of thing um and this Agatha Christie-mas oh nailed it thanks and this is in that vein so I'll read the back of it please Christmas Eve 1938 the Westbury family and assorted friends have gathered for another legendary celebration at their beautiful country house the champagne flows the silverware sparkles and upstairs the rooms are ready for their occupants but one bed will lie empty that night on Christmas morning David Campbell Scott is found dead in the snow there's a pistol beside him and only one set of footprints Great, Scott. Yep. Yet something doesn't seem right to amateur sleuth Hugh Gaveston. Campbell Scott had just returned from overseas with, with untold wealth. Why would he kill himself? Hugh sets out to investigate. Oh, okay. That sounds really fun. That sounds yeah. really good. It's um, like, I mean, I've already said, I already spoiled my thoughts on it, but I really, really enjoyed it. It is a massive cosy crime book. Obviously heavily focused on Christmas with a side of death. Nice. Yeah. And what I also really liked was quite often I find when you read these um, like golden era, golden era, that's yeah, not I the right phrase, is it? Yeah. I mean, you mean like the kind of 1930s kind of Yeah, period, exactly. Yeah. But then it felt wrong because obviously the war was happening. <laughs> it's a golden time. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Suffering. Mm. Mm. But on that note, what I quite liked about it is, yeah, when you quite often when you read books from this time, they don't really acknowledge the war or anything that's going on during that time frame. And although this didn't focus heavily on it, Mm. it definitely referenced the fact that World War II was kicking off. Oh, is that how we made all his money? (laughs) (laughs) It it wasn't, believe it or not, no. And yeah, obviously most of the sort of older adult characters had fought in World War One and blah, blah, blah. It's very dismissive of World War One. My apologies. <laughs> Whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, I will say, do you know what I was reading? I was thinking Frankie would love this. So the yeah. main character, the main character, the Hugh they mentioned, who's the sort of the amateur detective, his true passion, as they refer to it in life, is taxidermy. Oh, that does sound, he does sound like my kind of guy. Yeah, there was a couple of kind of slightly gross too in-depth descriptions you'd love it <laughs> that's interesting that's an interesting trait to give a lead character because often and i don't agree with this taxidermy is given to a character that's a little bit weird <laughs> or potentially I mean, a murderer <laughs> often he's not fiction. weird he's a very like exuberant um fun guy hmm. what was interesting i don't remember if i picked up on this the first time through so hugh who's kind of in his 20s basically the house where it's all set is the Westbury family's house it's Mm. Lord and Lady Westbury and their three children they've got two sons and daughter Lydia and then Hugh is one of their neighbours whose parents have passed away so he's sort of almost adopted he's very good friends with Lydia the daughter they're all in their early 20s I think maybe 30 around that age anyway they're sort of young-ish adults yeah and there's one throwaway bit in the book and Lydia is single. She's turned down several marriage proposals. Fair play. The book doesn't end with her accepting one, which was nice. nice. Um, and Hugh is also single. And I had sort of wondered, maybe it will end with those two getting together. But again, it doesn't. And there's one very brief couple of lines where one of the other characters suggests to Hugh that he needs to find himself a wife. Um, and Lydia laughs and says, Hugh's in as much need of a wife as I am of a husband. 
And I read it and I was like, is this a nod to LGBTQ plus? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I don't know. Nothing ever came of it. It is actually a contemporary. It was written within the last few years, 2020, I think, and just set in those times. But I quite liked that as well, because you never really get a a nod to that in any of these books, do you? Yeah, rarely, for sure. Could be that or it could just be that also a nice modern mindset of you don't have to get bloody married to feel complete as a person, actually. It could be, but there was, it said something like she laughed Oh, I can't remember how they described it now, but <laughs> it was the way she found the whole idea of him finding a husband was uh, a wife was hilarious. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. Hmm. I did write down one quote, which was my absolute favourite moment of the entire book, which I'm going to share with you as well. Please. So the guy David has just been found dead. Lydia, who I've just mentioned, she was his good daughter. The police have arrived. And Lydia is, she's not crying, but she's obviously upset by it. And the policeman turns to her and says, Begging your pardon, miss, but please do try to contain yourself. It is my experience that female aversion to unpleasantness can result in fits, swoons, or in extreme cases, acts of violence. I would ask that you beseech yourself. Have you any pursuits with which you may divert your mind? Cross-stitching or a beauty magazine, perchance? Wow. <laughs> Amazing. So now anytime anyone's ever go- gets upset, yeah. I'm going to suggest maybe a beauty magazine. Just hand them a copy of Vogue. <laughs> like, <Yes>. Enjoy. <laughs> or a half-done cross-stitch. <laughs> I've threaded the needle for you, you miserable, <laughs> yeah. hysterical old woman. Good to go. Calm yourself. <laughs> Yeah, it was, do you know what? It's a really, really lovely book. It was well written. The only thing that slightly annoyed me about the writing was the narrator addresses the reader quite a few times throughout oh, it. Okay. And that bugged me a little bit. I don't know why. It just felt like it was slightly unnecessary. So the narrator itself is a kind of a different voice. It's not from a perspective of a character. Yeah, exactly. Ah, interesting. And the narrator was sort of addressing the reader as in, we won't linger and watch them in their bedrooms obviously it was written better than that but it was <laughs> it was that kind of thing and it was a little bit not jarring but i just mm. didn't love it and that's not really typical of that genre because normally it's like from the perspective of the sidekick or yeah. whatever yeah that's interesting yeah but that was probably my only real niggle with it um, mm. and like i said i i liked that it it acknowledged the wider world i suppose that it was it was set in the war and Mm -hmm. there was one little line where they referred to something as a hobbit hole they called their coat cupboard the hobbit hole and i was like surely lord of the rings wasn't published back in 1938 so i googled it and actually yes the hobbit was published in 1937 good stuff yeah she's done her research i very much recommend it um she's written a second book as well i think it's called murder at the theater royale or something like that i will be giving a read as well but i would say for murder most festive Four tombstones. That's a solid rating. Yeah, it was a lovely little read and very cosy. Funny enough, Shah came home, I think it was last weekend when I was reading it, she walked in and saw me sitting with the book on the sofa and went, oh my God, have you started Christmas already? Well, never too early to start Christmas. Actually, that's not true. Halloween, then Christmas. Them's Mm. the rules. Well, that sounds really good. And I like that um, it sounds like... It's not, it sounds like it's cosy, but there's still quite a darkness to it to make it mm. actually interesting and engaging. Not that full on cosy is not interesting, but do you know what I mean? No, it was definitely a good balance with nice 
They're not nice characters. Some of them are real nice murder. (laughs) (laughs) Well built up characters, let's say. Nice. And quite a few moments of humour as well, which I enjoyed. Oh, ticking all the boxes. It is. I really recommend it. In fact, when you have moved and settled into your house, I'll bring it round. And if you get a chance to read it before Christmas, go ahead. If not, don't worry. Thank you very much. Yeah, for the benefit of our listeners, by the time this has gone out, I should have moved house. Finally! Finally. It's taken 10 months to happen. And yeah, I will hopefully have a good reading spot within said new house that I can enjoy. So thank you. I appreciate that very much. I would gratefully take it. How horribly battered and disfigured is this book? How broken (laughs) is the spine? What are we talking? The hilarious thing was I remembered that I had a copy of this and I was trying to remember if I'd actually read it or if I'd bought it and not read it. So I pulled it off my bookshelf and I looked at the spine. I was like, yeah, that's definitely read. God, that poor innocent book. Ravaged. It's fine. It's in great condition. There's only a few folded over corners. (laughs) Um, The spine's folded. Uh, cracked. <sighs> okay, fine. <laughs> well, there we are. Good. Okay, that was a good one. Are you ready yeah. for mine? Very. <laughs> so, you had mentioned, I think last time we recorded, that you were like, oh, I've done a lot of Agatha Christie lately, so I probably won't do that again. So I took this golden opportunity <gasps> and I've done Hercule Poirot's Christmas. Oh, yay! Oh, it's it my is beautiful such a good cover. One. Oh, that's lovely. It's a beautiful one, yeah. And I nearly did The Adventure of the Christmas Pudding, the short stories that Agatha Christie yeah. wrote with Marps in as well. But I decided to keep it pure Poirot to round mm-hmm. off a year of perfect poirot goodness for me anyway yeah and you and for everybody listening because also i know that i've had i often get very nice feedback from people on our agatha christie episodes i think people particularly enjoy them so merry of christmas course. everyone i've saved yes. christmas basically is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome everyone i will the book i have doesn't have an, a synopsis on the back my copy of it so i'm going to find that now on my phone okay. and i will read that for but if anybody doesn't know this one oh boy you are in for a treat. You are in for a treat. And it's fun also because you've read it, so we can talk about it. Which yes, is a bit that's different. true. It's not often we've both read the book, is it? No, not at all. Right, so here is the synopsis. It is Christmas Eve. The Lee family reunion is shattered by a deafening crash of furniture, followed by a high-pitched wailing scream. Upstairs, the tyrannical Simeon Lee lies dead in the pool of blood, his throat slashed. But when Hercule Poirot who is staying in the village with a friend for Christmas, offers to assist, he finds an atmosphere not of mourning, but of mutual suspicion. It seems everyone had their own reason to hate the old man. Dun, dun, dun. So I also want to point out with this one, because obviously we both love it too. The TV adaptation of this is fucking brilliant. It's so good. And there are a few differences. So it's still worth reading the book, even if you've seen the TV episode, I would say, because there are some inherent differences to it. For a start, one thing I love about the TV adaptation is that it's got Jap in it. Inspector Jap is there. We don't have him in the book, though. We've got Colonel Johnson, who's Chief Constable, who is uh, Poirot's right-hand man for this investigation. No Jap, sadly, but uh, sorely missed, as always. Poirot, as it says in the synopsis, he's staying in this little village and there's this very rich 
probably what's the nicest what's the perfect word for describe him horrible old rich millionaire man called Simeon Lee he is I don't think he's got a single redeeming feature does he no he's all round horrible it's yeah. and it's rare to kind of see that I mean Agatha Christie does that with a few characters but often you know there's a bit more to them this way he is just basically a professional prick I probably mm. describe him but I think yeah. the reason why he is so rich is because he's such a prick and he's worked with diamond mining and all sorts of things so there's a reason for his success and it's because he is a heartless bastard I would say Yep, that's a very nice way of putting it so uh, it's Christmas as the the title implies and Simeon Lee's gathered his family around him for this Christmas uh, including his various sons he's got a few of them and he's also got their wives to come as well so there's I mean there's quite a few sons to list there's George there's David and then there's Harry who's the the prodigal son I guess you'd call him he'd been he disappeared for a while but he's been called back in and their various wives and also as well as that there's Pilar Estravados How's that? Oh, nailed it. Thanks, man. Uh, and Pilar is the uh, granddaughter of another one of his children who died, sadly. And so she's been called over. They'd never met her before. She was invited to the house. And there's also uh, Stephen Farr, who is the son of Simeon's former business partner as well. Mm-hmm. And there's also various staff that are in the house as well. They've all been there for, for many, many years. Of Horbury in particular, Simeon, his, as his valet, he's uh, he's actually one of the newer members. But then there's Tresillian. What a great name, by the way, for a That butler. is a good name. That's a great yeah. butler name. So Tresillian has been there since the old days. So he was with all those um, living and working in that house when those uh, sons were kids in the property. And basically, yeah, but it seems that, to cut a long story short, Simeon's brought all of his sons uh, home for Christmas to tell them that uh, he's changing his will (laughs) and (laughs) just to basically fuck with them as much as possible and ruin their Christmas, which is fun. Yeah, it's quite funny when you think about it, because also they are like, for the most part, obnoxious twats themselves. Like they're all very Tory leaning (laughs) and Mm. yeah. Little posh spoiled boys who are, you know, not the most um, fun and attractive of people to hang out with. Mm-hmm. But there are there are better, better ones like Harry's probably the most well travelled, the most interesting one because he disappeared for a while. And but the wives, they're yeah, it's all a bit mixed. But anyway, so as it says, Simeon is one evening in the house. There is a horrible clang and bat- crashing of sounds coming from his office and a scream. And the scream is a really important part of the story because they say it sounds like a pig being slaughtered. It's like this horrible resonating scree- squealing sound. And when they go up there, the door is locked. They manage to get inside and the room has been trashed like it's a mess. And Simeon's lying in a pool of blood and... How did it happen? Because it's a locked room. It's a locked room mystery, baby. It is. Luckily, what are the chances Poirot's staying in the village for Christmas, man? What luck. <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying that it happens wherever he goes, but it does seem to, sort of. Well, do you know, funnily enough, I am listening uh to Evil Under the Sun at oh, the moment. Great one, yeah. Yeah. And there's something in that where they, they're all convinced that Poirot can only be on holiday there because he's investigating a crime and he's like, yeah. No, I I like to take holidays too. And then obviously someone's murdered straight away. <laughs> he's like, Look, I happen to be here, then I will solve yeah. it, but that wasn't why. That's yeah. the thing, I think as well, like with Jessica Fletcher, like if you were friends with her, chances are you were gonna get murdered at some point. There's always a pattern yeah. with these things. But anyway, I don't want to go too much into it because if people haven't read it, they definitely should. 
should because it's a quick that's the beauty of Agatha Christie books as well they're they're pretty light quick reads so yeah. it's easy to storm through there's some great Poirot in it he's, he's he hates the countryside and he hates small villages at the best of times and he's very mm. vocal about it and it's a good fun cozy Christmas horrifying murder which I think everyone listening to this probably enjoys I think so and equally once you've read it do go and watch the tv adaptation because they do it in a really interesting way I don't want to spoil it but they they paint the picture perfectly from the beginning in a way that the book doesn't and I think it's really smart. And also just, you know, to have Jap there for Christmas, because the way they do it in the TV episode <laughs> is that Jap is at home with his family and these are all the relatives over and he's hating every second he's of so it. so miserable. It's so good. <laughs> and they're all singing around the, around the piano. <laughs> and you see him just sat there being like, oh my fucking God, this is the worst. And then Poirot's like, hey, can you help me come and help me solve this murder, please? And mm. yeah, he leaps into action. Also different is that obviously in the book, he's staying in the village, but in the TV episode, he's invited to stay in the house. Simeon invites him again, just to fuck with his family by the sound of yeah. things. Uh, I don't think he was quite so expecting good. to be murdered necessarily, but I think he was like, yeah, just, if you're here, it will unsettle them and that will be fun. So come <laughs> on down. <laughs> Honestly, he's everything I want to be in life. Sarah, I feel like you're on the path, man. You just need to get some diamond mines under your belt and jobs are good. I'm working on it. Unfortunately, you have to have some heirs that you can fuck with as well Mm, and disinherit and move around. I could fuck with my friends. Oh, and you do. (laughs) (laughs) And we love you for it. Thank you. But yeah, so... Long story short, it's a really, really great story, as always. I mean, this is a, this is a classic Agatha Christie, I would say, in terms of the craft, yeah. of the crime, the locked room mystery, lots of really good characters, and there's a bit of international flavour to it as well, uh, which mm-hmm. is always fun. I think it's a, it's a, an absolute banger, which is one of the reasons why I picked it up. I had read it before, but it's a good excuse to pick it up again, because it is quintessentially Christmas reading, quintessential even oh yeah my plan is actually to read it on my flight to australia for christmas this year packed in my hand luggage ready to go perfect you also got to watch the episode as well because it's really really good yeah obviously this one is gonna be a five tombstoner it has to be right would you agree with that rating oh yeah absolutely it is one of my favorites yeah. Agatha Christie-wise and book-wise, I guess, in general. Mm. It's, it's really, really good. I've got a copy of it sitting right there. Oh, my lovely think... brother went and picked up for me in Ireland because he oh. saw some nice special editions in a charity shop. That is a good brother. It is, yeah. Shout out to Tom for yeah. his procurement skills. Yeah. I don't really know what else to say about it without going too much deeper and spoiling it. There's some twists and turns. It's great. There is um, another, I should perhaps mention there's another policeman on the scene there, a local guy who Poirot works with as well, Superintendent Sugden, who is the investigating officer of the case. And yeah, there's loads of interesting elements to it. Go and read it if you haven't. I'm sure most people listening probably have. But equally, if you have read it, share your thoughts with us because I always love to talk about Agatha Christie with anyone and everyone. You can message us on the various social apps at Red and Berry Podcast, assuming Twitter is still around by the time you listen yeah. to this. Who bloody knows? Yeah. But great news. We are now verified on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> we are I'm definitely joking. not. <laughs> we have not spent 
seven eight dollars whatever it is on a check mark yes we're not verified on twitter but we are you know we're there still till the bitter end like the titanic will be there on the um iceberg iceberg no ship (laughs) (laughs) sometimes i feel like we're the iceberg (laughs) yeah agreed um, and Instagram and all that stuff. Or you can just old-fashioned email, redandberrypodcast at gmail.com. Um, and equally, what are you going to read this Christmas? What's on your Christmas reading list? Do you have one? Or another even bigger question, what books have you asked for for Christmas? Yeah, it's a magical time of the year for a book reader, isn't it? Oh my God, big time. That's the thing. My my wish list is just all books. I don't know about you. Oh yeah, very much so. Yeah. And then I get the message from my mum going, I don't want to buy you a book though. I'm like, well, Ugh. that's what I wanted, so... <laughs> all I want. Come yeah. on. Uh, one thing about my new house, I'm hoping, is I'm going to get the most bookshelves built in ever in my yes. office. It's going to be floor to ceiling is my plan. My parents in their current house in Australia, the living room, one wall is just floor to ceiling bookshelves. What a dream. I know. Wonderful stuff. Sarah, you're going to be going away soon for Christmas. We are hopefully going to get in one author interview before you leave. Yes, we are. Yeah, it's exciting. There are so many great books out at the moment and so many great authors. Anything else that we want to mention before we close for Christmas? Right, God, close for Christmas. I guess Merry Christmas, everyone. Um, We will share a rundown of our favourite books of the year. That's a great idea. Of Christmas, so that you can get some ideas for your Christmas wish lists. Great idea. Thank you, Frankie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which you'll contribute to, right, Sarah? <laughs> Probably. TBC. <laughs> you know that excellent manipulation skills thing that I mentioned earlier? That's exhibit A, everybody. Yeah. Yes, I will definitely contribute. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do a little Christmas thing. We have our bookshop shop, which I never really talk about, but it's, we always have um, with all the books that get talked about on this, go on there. So if you ever need inspiration for reading, go and have a look at it because um, we, yeah, there are some really good ones on there, not just from us, for all the authors that come on, we put all their recommendations in there as well. So it's pretty extensive at this point. Also, Sarah, just want to point out that it's been a year since we started this podcast. Has it? Yeah, we started it last November, end of last November, yeah. I thought we'd only been doing it about six months. <laughs> nope. Literally, when you said earlier that you have been in the process of buying your house for 10 months, I was like, yeah. a lot longer than we'd be doing the podcast. Okay, yeah. well. Do you use the podcast as a unit of measure? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Not very <weird>. well, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that explains a few things. Yeah, it's been a year that we've been doing this. Wow. Did we do a Christmas episode last year? We didn't, didn't we? We didn't, because we just went straight into it. And I think we thought, we'll do that next year. It has been a year. You're right. Because a year ago, I was on holiday in Cornwall and I read my first book for the podcast then, which was The Magnificent Magpie Murders by Anthony oh, Horowitz. So good. Um, also, I like that you just that you didn't believe me. <laughs> it's literally true. I was like, true. oh yeah, my mini spa break to Cornwall. <laughs> your units of your your points of reference and units of measure are fascinating, <laughs> truly. Thank you. My head's a fun place. But for everyone that's listened for the whole year, you've made it to the whole year mark with us. Wow. Yeah. Thank you Thank so much. You. What it's a year has been. It's been a better year this year than the last couple before that. Mm-hmm. Um cost of living crisis, Ukraine war many prime ministers, mm. the queen dying, all of that aside, um, maybe it hasn't been a better year. Well, this is the perfect way to end the <laughs> podcast, the Christmas <laughs> uplifting episode of the podcast. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> 
no it's good it's good it's everything gonna be great stuff we're gonna eat everything we're gonna read books it's all gonna be nice we'll be safe and cozy in our we very expensively heated homes <laughs> if you can afford eating yeah and next year if you come back to listen to future episodes we're going to have more author interviews yep some true crime books possibly some bad books as well We'll yeah that's the fun of it that's it and just general good times ahead so merry christmas everyone don't get murdered this christmas okay bye (laughs) bye existence of x-files podcasts then the truth is in here i'm tony i'm sarah i'm carl and i'm armal drake and the x cast is devoted to all things x-files such as in-depth episode discussions i love the eighth season being like no you're saying goodbye and that's something pop culture doesn't do enough interviews with many of the casting crew from the show i had to audition repeatedly i mean i went in i read for chris and frank uh, or I think, I, no, at first I read for the casting director, Rick, and then I made it past that hurdle and read for Chris and Frank, had a lovely meeting with them. And special roundtable chats, commentaries, and fun bonus episodes. But this this is this is great, Mulder just having no idea what's going on. On this beautiful boat with people yeah. not really speaking uh, English. You can find us on the We Made This podcast network. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all good podcast players. We'll see you in the basement. But until then, trust no one.